introduce you to everybody. Uh, this is uh, Gina, Roy, Lucas, AJ. The staff of Empire Records had the coolest jobs on earth. Do you think the story is already written? Or do you think a bold and courageous act can change the course of history? Something happened to me last night in Atlantic City. Did you win anything? No, I did not. But Lucas blew it. Everyone knew it. You were to buy Empire? Well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> the money is gone. Where's it going to? I think it's recirculating. We're turning this into a music town? I have to pay for what Mr. Brilliant here did. I'm the idiot. You're the screw-up, and we are all losers. Now, five friends have one day to decide what to do with the rest of their lives. AJ loves Corey, not the whole story. Today is the day that I'm going to tell Corey how I feel about her. That I, uh... Love her. Yeah. Do you think that it's possible for someone to be in love with someone else and not even know it? In this life, there are nothing but possibilities. That is so sweet. I think I'm going to barf. Corey wants Rex first time at sex. Hey, Rex, what happened to your hair? I will offer myself to Rex Manning. Ah! I wish I could be brave. You are brave. I have to bring Rex's lunch. I'm bringing Rex's lunch! Mark's raging mad. Best day he's had. Just like this! Help me, help me, help me. If I was in a band, they would not be doing this to me. Deb shaved her head and made out she was dead. I tried to kill myself with a lady Beck. Just your typical nutty teenager. You did have hair, right? I was tired of being invisible. Gina did it again, this time to a friend. You get smarter the shorter your skirt gets. I want to sing in a band, but I don't have the guts. So is this how your life's going to be now? You're just going to screw every husband? I'm starting! Oh. Want to know more? Check out the store. Empire Records open till midnight. This is Mark. Midnight! Empire Records. Featuring the music of Better Than Ezra, Gin Blossoms, Ape Hangers, Evan Dando, Toad the Wet Sprocket, and the Cranberries. What is wrong with you people? Rock and roll. Coming to rock your world this fall. We mustn't dwell. No, not today. We can't. Not on Rex Manning Day. Damn the man. Listen to the pool scene podcast or something like that. Jim, any uh, any quotes from this movie you want to include? I thought your name was Warren. Thought his name was Warren. Thought his name was Warren. His name's not Warren? His name's not Warren? Warren Beatty. Uh, checking in for my shift is Kevin. I didn't go to Atlantic City and blow $9,000. The $9,000 deposit, that is. Jim, did you take the deposit? I did not take the deposit. I took, well, I should be honest. I took about 1500 of it. I needed LASIK surgery, and they have these things called calf implants. Oh, So cool. I don't really have chicken legs anymore. Yeah, I know a guy that got calf implants, and he was on MTV. Boy, am I excited to do this one. You could say it's sort of like... A sugar high. Uh, Yikes, I'm sorry. So we're finally doing a long overdue episode, a movie that's a cornerstone of our upbringing, and a movie that in some ways I live. A number of our friends, with the exception of Jim, at some point- Which is weird. I'm like the only one out of yeah, our massive You group. wouldn't have been able to do it. I, I hate people too Yeah, much. you're like the one that just would not have been able to do no. it. Yeah, all of our friends at some point in time worked at a place where our experience was very reflective in ways of this week's movie, 1995's Empire records so 
I don't know if our time working there was reflective of Empire Records or we modeled ourselves after Empire Records, you know? Yeah. We wanted to be Empire Records. I mean, the people that definitely came into the store were characters upon itself. Plenty of ammunition. So the movie Empire Records was written by a former Tower Records employee at store number 166 at Christown Mall in Phoenix, Arizona. She had written the movie based on co-workers and anecdotes from the store. This sounds very familiar because we could obviously write a movie or full-length series based on events that happened at the place we worked, and no one would believe half of it. The Singing Brothers, Ron Popeil guy, Card Dog, the Frogger family, people threatening our lives over the most minute things, and so on. I paid a quarter for this fucking CD. Yeah. It's scratched. I need another one. Yes, exactly. Empire Records was directed by Alan Moyle. He directed another movie that we'll be doing, I think, this season. Pump up the volume. Damn straight. The first foray into podcasting. Yeah, pretty much. We'll talk about it momentarily, but this movie was a box office disaster. What a shame. The reason I bring that up prematurely is that I think it had to be a marketing problem. I will die on this hill because... I think this movie's universally loved. It's great. I've never heard of anyone personally disliking this movie. However, the movie was panned by critics, only has a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's bullshit. So maybe it's regional or maybe it's only important in just certain circles. I think, I mean, out of the 70 plus movies we've done now on the podcast, this is one of the few ones where we can say was a generational movie. Yes. This literally influenced an entire generation. The original script of Empire Records had the events of the film taking place over two days. I'm glad they rethought that and adjusted to have the whole film take place in one day. In that edit, we lost three additional characters and over 40 minutes of footage. There was originally a character named Andre, played by Tobey Maguire. Really? Tobey Maguire asked for his character and scenes to be removed because he was all fucked up and struggling with alcoholism at the time and and he checked into rehab shortly after. Okay, it's understandable. So man. he was like, I'm fucked up. I don't want that out there. There was also a girl named Lily who wore knee pads. You can see her in the background in certain scenes. And uh, Warren had a sister who like came to the store looking for him or something. Oh, okay. We can't not mention the great soundtrack. The soundtrack made more money than the movie. That was sort of by design. Three years prior, The Bodyguard only made like $400,000 or something in the box office, but the soundtrack sold a million copies in its first week. The song. Don't hold me on those exact numbers, but present day Bodyguard soundtrack has sold 45 million copies. Insane. So the point is Regency Pictures, owned by Warner, wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to find a script to pair with a killer soundtrack that could move units. The soundtrack features the Gin Blossoms, Better Than Ezra, The Cranberries, Dire Straits, Toad the Wet Sprocket, Coyote Shivers, and a great single that got radio play by Edwin Collins. Mm -hmm. Jim, it's a good time to go ahead and tell us just how this performed at the box office along with news and number ones at the time of release. Now, speaking of soundtracks, we have said in the past, our buddy Jake Johnson, who's currently celebrating some time in Disney where you were previously, has said his favorite song of all time is Hey Jealousy. I would have to say Till I Hear From You might be my favorite Gin Blossoms song. Yeah, they, they got lucky on timing on this because the... You'd have to look it up for yourselves, but there is a story where Regency and Warner owned a record label 
but they basically didn't like the bands on that record label. So they went and sought out the label that had some of these other bands yeah. and they were lucky enough that the timing coincided so that till I hear it from you was released as a single on the soundtrack. The thing that frustrates me quite a bit is how many times could we have seen the gin blossoms at the Eastwood mall for the rib burn off? I know. And did 1600 I, times. I remember my senior year, junior year of high school. I remember gin blossoms playing and being like, I don't need to go to that. I'm fine. I, and now I'm myself. like, man, I really want to see the gin blossom. Well, fucking idiot. So Empire Records came out, Kevin, seven days after my 14th birthday, September 22nd, 1995, to a $10 million budget, and it made a whopping $303,000 and some change. And that's basically here domestically. The money they took from it, they went off the target demographic for this. The director, he was at odds with the studio because he wanted to make a movie about the music. And the studio basically wanted to make a commercial to sell the music. So there's a difference. They did a test screening of the original cut in the LA area for the target demographic of 18 to 34s. They loved it. They're like, it's great, fantastic, awesome. But then they did a test screening, which was hated by those outside the demographic. This movie, which was originally supposed to release in 1,200 theaters, got released in 87 theaters. Ugh. So the studio listened to the latter, even though it wasn't the target audience. Target audience. They changed the movie to give us the existing cut, which we love. That's what it's we know. Best. That's all we know. It's the best. But it removed much of what Moyle, the director, wanted, which had a number of scenes with our beloved characters talking about music, their favorite songs, their favorite bands. Basically, a love letter to music. Yeah. The flashback time, Kevin Gas was a buck fifteen a gallon. Beanie Babies were your number one toy, and the top three rentals at Blockbuster were Blockbuster Video. Wow, what a difference! Pulp Fiction, mm. which we covered in episode one, our kickoff of season seven. Major Pain, ooh, that Damon Wayans vehicle, and Don Juan DeMarco. Oh yeah, damn straight. Johnny Depp in the house. Of soundtracks. And speaking of soundtracks, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opens up in Cleveland, Ohio. I can remember, I mentioned on a previous podcast, I went up there about a month or so after it opened and my parents bought me Metallica's Load album. <laughs> Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> give me fuel, give me fire, give me that much. Boo, yeah. eBay, Kevin, in case you didn't know, stood for Electronic Bay, founded by Pierre Almodar around this time in 1995. We are all big fans of the eBay. Remember how hard it was to use eBay in early internet days? It was days? a real pain in you the ass. You had to use your scanner to upload photos. Then you had to go get a money order. I, from yeah, I bought an Jesus. RF video, Best of Raven, that was like taped from a tape from a tape from a tape from a tape. And I was like, what? It looked like scrambled porn. I don't know how many times I bought shit off of eBay when it first started. And I'd keep getting ruined. I set oh, yeah. off the money order, never get the yes. shit. No, it, it was, was horrible. easy to scam people. No taxes had to be paid. No. Like it was, it was wild, wild west. It was quite incredible. The other thing that was quite incredible, the Washington Post and the New York Times publish the Unabomber's Manifesto. Ooh. Remember when that was kicking off and that was one of those events here in the United States of America that was very memorable. Once again, we had another psycho out there. Not that we don't have more psychos now, funny enough, but... There's one man who was never a psycho, and he was cool as the other side of the pillow. Stuart, what's up? Ken Griffey Jr., waiting, waiting. Booyah! Hi again, Sports Center, bringing it. Alongside Rich Eisen, I'm Stuart Scott. The Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars lose their debut games in the National Football League. However, two years later, 
They both ended up in their respective league championship mm-hmm. games. At the time, especially when the Browns left and went to Baltimore, I became a big Jags fan, especially Mark Brunel and Fred Taylor. Cal Ripken Jr. of the Baltimore Orioles breaks Lou Gehrig's record playing in 2,131 straight games. Now, do you remember, Kevin, back in the day when we were younger, we would collect you know, the baseball cards mm-hmm. and the Billy Ripken fuckface card. Yes. You remember that fuck one. Fuckface on the bottom of the bat. Yeah, because they didn't think it was going to be a serious thing. And then yep. it ended up on a fucking card. Awesome. I love the fuckface card. Cleveland Indians. Form well. The Indians that we used to know clinched their first AL Central Division title and at one point were the first team since the 1902 Pittsburgh Pirates to have a lead of at least 27 and a half games over the second place team. That's what Godier wrote the song about, right? Now you're just somebody that I used to know. Pretty much. About the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians. Now, now Guardians. Now, there's a big lawsuit I read before the podcast. Roller Derby team. The Roller Derby team is suing the former Indians for using the Guardians name. Yeah. Call me crazy. Don't think they're going to win now. I hope they win. I would love it if they did. I hope they win. In the, they were the Cleveland Guard. They the are Guardians the Cleveland. Are like because our owners, I should say, our but yeah. the Guardians owners are such cheapskates. Mm-hmm. I will not spend money. It would be great if they had to spend five million dollars <laughs> on a name or something. I would love it. It'd it funds great. the, That's the, the roller derby. Yes, yeah, fantastic. I would love it. The number one movie in America, Kevin, one of the seminal members of the lifeguard hall of fame he's up on the wall patrick swayze to wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar yep. was your number one movie in america we spoke of the bodyguard you know whitney houston that song was a juggernaut this song was a juggernaut too coolio's gangsta's paradise yeah, number one Going looking through the pistol smoke, foo. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> that's all that was going on September 22nd, 1995. All right, let's, let's do a juggernaut and mosh into the plot. Everyone in this movie has a problem. Oh, they have big problems. Joe owns the record store. He has to manage all these goofs that work there. Question real quick. Yeah. Does Anthony, is Anthony Napolia like, is he from like Australia or something like that? Because I've always noticed oh, no. he has like a weird accent. I don't know. I remember it in So I Married an Axe Murder, and it's very heavy in this movie, too. I'm not sure. We have to look it up. Uh, so, yeah, Joe has to manage all these these goofs that work there. Lucas was an orphan who was taken in by Joe. He tries to do the right thing, but screws everything up worse. He is Australian. Okay. Lucas! Joe! Where's the money? Joe, the money is gone. Yeah, I know it's gone. Where's it going to? Atlantic City. Atlantic City? Yeah. Is it coming back from Atlantic City? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, Joe. What's it doing in Atlantic City? Recirculating. Mark wants to start a band, and I guess maybe drugs are his problem. And that's another thing about the recut of this movie. So the original cut had drug use, and the studio was like, no drugs, no alcohol, no smoking. And so they had to cut anything. That's why when Eddie, the the drug dealer that works at the store, gives Mark the pot brownies, <laughs> he has to call them magic brownies, and he has to say, I put extra sugar in them. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, yes, they had to skirt those rules. So I guess, yeah, maybe drugs are Mark's problem. AJ's in love with Corey and is basically going to throw his life away over it. 
Deb's depressed, tries, tried to commit suicide. Gina uses sex as her drug. Corey's a speed freak going to Harvard and wants to lose her virginity to Rex Manning. Very Jesse Spano. Warren robs the store because he wants a job. <laughs> Not even his real name. Rex Manning can't connect to a young audience and his days of relevance are probably over. The best. Rex's manager, Jane, knows that Rex sucks. And I really like, it's not really worthy of best scenes, but I really like when uh, they meet Rex and yeah. Jane introduces herself and Warren says, me, Joe, you, Jane. <laughs> so good. So as I mentioned previously, the events of this movie take place over 24 hours. Those 24 hours start with employee Lucas closing the store for the first time. In manager Joe's office, Lucas discovers that Empire Records is going to be sold and turned into Music Town, uh. which is a national chain. Music Town? We're not a Music Town. No, we're not a Music Town. Yet. Well, isn't Music Town a chain, Joe? No gum chewing will be allowed inside the store. We're turning this into a Music Town? So why didn't you tell us? Because I was trying to stop it. What do you mean? Look, I got together enough money to make Mitch an offer. He's going to make me a partner. Could have bought him out eventually. You were gonna buy Empire? Well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> that would be fantastic. Oh, wow. You think it's gonna happen now? I have to pay for what Mr. Brilliant here did. It's over, kids, okay? Mitchell is the man, Joe. Yeah, and the man calls all the shots. Damn the man. Let me explain it to you. Mitchell's the man, I'm the idiot, you're the screw-up, and we are all losers. Welcome to Music Town. Trying to play the role of hero, Lucas takes the $9,000 deposit, which is a lot for a deposit in 1995. Shitload. He goes to Atlantic City to try and quadruple the money playing craps. He doubles it at first and then loses it all. Never knows when enough's enough. As employees begin to arrive at the store, Lucas leaves before Joe begins to receive calls from owner Mitchell that the deposit never arrived at the bank. More employees show up for their shift, knowing some version of what happened. When Lucas returns, Joe tells him how bad he fucked up because Joe already had a plan in place to become part owner and save the store, but Lucas has basically severely put that plan in jeopardy. With the deposit crisis happening, Joe hasn't had time to deal with a major event happening at the store. It's Rex Manning Day. Oh, it's the best day ever. Purposely written to be the same day that Kurt Cobain committed suicide, April 8th. Ooh. Rex Manning is a washed up 80 star coming to sign autographs and to promote his new album. The employees think Rex is a joke. Take your purse and get the hell out of my store. Where's Jane? She quit, pal. What? And I was lying about your hair. It looks stupid. And we all hate your new album. Not to mention the ones before that. You're just a washed up imposter, man. And the only people that show up for Rex are old women and gay men. During all of this, Lucas leaves his couch, well, his couch arrest, I should say, to apprehend a young shoplifter who calls himself Warren Beatty. Corey, encouraged by Gina, tries to seduce Rex while he's eating lunch. Another deleted scene shows Gina give her red bra to Corey. Forget about Rex. Another guy. I don't want another guy. I'm not like you. I don't need another guy. Why do you always try and make me like you? What do you mean like me? I'm not like you with guys. I don't need to do what you do all the time. Oh, okay. I see. Not like me, the turbo slut. Is that what you mean? What are you saying? That I gotta go do every guy I see? You certainly seem to enjoy it. 
I remember which seeing is that. why they're sitting outside eating. Well, she takes her bra off. That's and right. That's why, because she's mad at Gina after their fight. Corey has a change of heart when Rex unzips his pants and says rock and roll, <laughs> which is actually worse because <laughs> in the, one of the deleted scenes, it's like 30 seconds longer. He shakes up a bottle of blue cheese and says, I hope you like the taste of blue cheese. Oh, for fuck's sake. So get weird. the fuck out of here. That's gross. While she embarrassingly wants to get away. She goes to the roof where AJ picks the worst possible opportunity to profess his love for Corey. And then Gina steps in and has sex with Rex. Sexy Rexy. AJ attacks Rex Manning in defense of Corey. Rex leaves in an arrogant manner. Why don't you all fade away? Gina and Corey have an argument where they harshly reveal their worst secrets about each other. Deb tries to console Corey, and since Deb tried to commit suicide, they hold a mock funeral to show her what it would be like if she really died. During this, Warren comes back with a gun, albeit filled with blanks. Yeah. This leads to Warren revealing what he really wanted was a job. Yeah. Which is a great way to get one. Excellent. That's how I got my current job. <laughs> Uh, the staff has a heart to heart about the future of empire records. Mark has a great idea and runs out into a live news report who were on site because of the robbery on the news. Mark tells the world that they're having a benefit party at midnight to save their store. Hey man, check it out. Check it out. Mark's on TV. Well, joining us is an eyewitness He's to the scene, an employee right of the store. store who saw it all. Tell us yeah. what happened. Oh well, see, there was this guy here. He kind of wigged out and everything, but that's besides the point because we're having a get-together here tonight. There's going to be free admission, live music, no, no, no. pits, chicks, <laughs> the full today. nine yards, man. It's going to be heavy <laughs> shit here at midnight. We're live on the air right now, sir. Uh, that's the story, kid. Anybody can come. Gina performs with Burko's band at the party. They collect donations at the door and raise enough money. Mitchell, the owner, tells Joey hates the store and he'll sell it to him. Cheap. Before the movie ends with everyone dancing on the roof, Corey tells AJ she loves him too. He's going to go to art school in Boston oh, so he gin. can be close to her at Harvard. With the gin blossoms playing in the background. All right. The characters in the movie, Anthony, I call him LaPaglia. Yeah, but it might you, be LaPaglia, whatever. Well, Anthony LaPaglia is Joe Reeves. Rory Cochran is Lucas. He was dating Renee Zellweger at the time of filming. Lucas with the lid off. He actually got her in this movie because they really? were considering her. But he was like, hey, look, take a look at my girlfriend. And then a year later, she's in Jerry Maguire. And then Chicago and then everything else. And her been. cheek got real weird. Yeah. Ethan Randall is Mark, which Ethan Embry, for yep. those of you we've talked about him before. Johnny Whitworth as AJ. Really good looking dude. Like very 90s look. Big Don't know time. what happened to him. Yeah. Robin Tunney is Deborah. Shaved her head for real for this movie. Had to wear a wig in the craft. Oh, okay. Renee Zellweger is Gina. Liv Tyler is Corey Mason. And the interesting thing about Liv Tyler as Corey Mason is we had Coyote Shivers as Burko. Coyote Shivers in general, really. So producers wanted Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day because they wanted somebody hmm. who could actually play music. So they wanted Billy Joe Armstrong. Coyote Shivers lied about his age to get the part. He was 29. But he was supposed to be a teenager, but he lied. But the best fact and the fact that revealed to the producers that he was 29 is that he was married to Liv Tyler's mom during filming. So he was her stepdad. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. So Ky during filming, wow. Coyote Shivers is Liv Tyler's stepdad. I love Liv Shivers. Brandon Sexton as Warren. Maxwell Caulfield as Rex Manning. Uh, Debbie Mazur as Jane. James Wills as Eddie. And Ben Bode as Mitchell Beck. Who's your favorite employee of Empire Records? Lucas. Nice selection. What? Help you with anything? No. I'm all right. Thanks. You like music? Yeah. Mm, me too. 
fat man walks alone. What? Stop. What are you, some kind of weirdo? It's a big coat you're wearing. Lots of pocket room. Yeah. See ya. I'm sure I'll bump into you. If it's not for Luke, none of this shit happens if Lucas doesn't pull the $9,000 stunt. Mm -hmm. And Lucas, what I always found weird, like growing up, watching this movie for the first time, I'm like, and still it holds up to this day being 40, but Lucas is just an odd motherfucker. He always speaks like poetically. Where's the turtleneck? Where's the turtleneck? He's very artsy. And also times he likes to answer questions with questions and he's an enigma. Lucas is the weird employee enigma. I love Lucas. Okay. I like Mark. I've decided I'm going to start a band. Really? Yeah. First thing you need is a name. Then you'll know what kind of band you've got. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know. I was kind of thinking about um, Mark. What do you think of that? Is, that? is that with a C or with a K? <sighs> well, um, my name is with the K. <laughs> So I was thinking maybe my band could be with the C. So that way it's kind of like that psychedelic, you know, trip thing. <laughs> Always play with their minds. <laughs> Mark's just with, with the K. Yeah, he's so strange, so weird, but he's adds that element of uh, he means well. Everybody's really good. Yeah. And a cool thing that they did in filming. So this movie is supposed to be filmed in two or three months, but the first month they planned on filming nothing. They just wanted to do what they called rehearsals. Except it was just everyone hanging out. That's smart, though. So then though. when they started filming, it seemed like everybody was very, like, tightly knit and close. Well, I guess it helped then that the studio did not give a shit about this movie at all. Right, exactly. All right, let's move on to best scenes. Now, I will say first, before we get to best scenes, much of what works in this one is the overall aesthetic and the character personalities and quirks, which I wonder how much was direction and how much was what the actors brought to the roles themselves. Some of it did seem quite improv-y to me, especially in the back when they're sitting around on the the couch in the back. Yeah, they almost had to go like method because you have like Deb is depressed and Mark's a stoner and, you know, you've got everybody like uh, Lucas's whole... AJ deal. trying to deal with his future and his heart at the same time. Yeah, I will just preface with that. Why don't you go ahead and give us your your first best scene, Jim? So speaking about being on the couch in the back, when Jane shows up with Rex Manning and <laughs> she tells Lucas that, oh, he performs well amongst teenage males. <laughs> and then Lucas goes into this very diatribe that I fucking love. Do any of you uh, like Rex Manning's new record? <laughs> <laughs> Dance Party USA, teeny bopper type of shit, right? I don't know. Actually tested well amongst teenage males. Jane, did you compare the percentage of teenage male Rex Manning fans to the incidence of homosexuality amongst teenage males? (laughs) (laughs) No. The incidence of homosexuality amongst teenage males? It's yeah. so, Rex, so good. Rex's story is, wasn't he on a TV show? He was. And yeah, that's can, how Corey ended up falling in yeah, love with him, quote unquote. Right. But he's a he's a washed up imposter, man. He was basically on the equivalent of the Partridge family. And we all hate your new haircut. <laughs> and your new album sucks. And then he kisses his ring. Why don't you all just fade away? Yeah. I have a two for one for my first one. All right. Deb shaving her head. Hey, Deb, wait a minute. What's with you today? Bad hair day. No, I mean with this. What is this? Huh? What happened? And I, I went to rock and roll heaven and I wasn't on the guest list. 
Now, please move. I've got to go to work. No, now you tell me what is going on. I decided I'd rather kill myself than meet Rex Manning. Now, excuse me, I'm going. No, listen to me, this isn't funny. I'm not joking. I'm not gonna let you go out of here until you tell me what's going on. And the fake funeral that the staff has for her. We're gathered here today to pay our last respects to Deborah. She left us and never said why. But I'm really gonna miss her. And I wish that I could have known her a little bit better. Dog shit. Deb shows up to work on Rex Manning Day with a bandage on her wrist. She's already the outcast of the group. You get the vibe that Corey and Gina seem to give her a hard time. Maybe bully her a bit. Her and, and Gina almost are like frenemies because there's times they laugh together, but at the expense of each other. As a person who struggles like quite badly with depression and anxiety, I can totally relate to Deb walking into the bathroom and just shaving her head in a wind. Yeah. She goes in the bathroom. Why there's a razor in there? I don't know. There's a lot of things there's in this clippers store. in the bathroom, which she just uses to shave her head. Perfect alignment of music, which they do a couple times in this movie, like the um, the scene with a ballet dancer who's Max Caulfield's daughter okay. in real life. Mark tries to kiss her, which is weird looking yeah. back at her. But uh, the music with Dire Straits, Romeo and Juliet in that part. But while Deb's shaving her head, the music is so free for a moment is the lyric, which is like... She just Perfect needed a timing. temporary reprieve from everything. That so. editor should have got a fucking raise for that. So then Deb helps Corey decompress. Anyway, did you really want to do Rex Manning in the count-out room? Is that how you always imagined your first time would be? Your back up against the daily totals and your feet pounding against the safe. <laughs> oh, Rexy, stop that. You're so sexy. Is she peeing or pooping? To me, I think she's just peeing. She's just peeing. I think she's doing a pee thing. They're in the bathroom together, and... Uh, I couldn't imagine, like, I'm peeing in the bathroom, and I'm trying to console things with you while I'm taking a leak, yeah. but whatever. Yeah, so so she helps Corey decompress after a fight with Gina because she threw herself at Rex Manning. So to reciprocate as a way to help, Corey holds a fake funeral for Deb. They light candles, they make little tombstones, little cards... And it leads to the staff having this heart to heart where we learn things about the characters. Like we find out Lucas isn't just an employee of Empire Records. He was adopted by Joe. So he's See, Joe's I always wondered if he was legitimately legally adopted. Well, I don't know if he was legally adopted, but his mom, he says his mom gave him up to the state or to the county and Joe took him in. Yeah. So whether he's officially or like a big adopted, brother, but either way. Joe brought him in. So Joe's been looking after Lucas for probably the last 10 years. And his mom gave him up because he was a bed wet. Well, he says, cause not because he was a bed bedwetter, but because he was a bad, bad seed. seed. But then you find out about, you know, AJ, what he wants to do. And Burko is real emo about Deb. I just wish you'd stay. Burko is so weird. He's 29. <laughs> that's why. so fucking weird. So I, I like that scene. That scene really adds like uh, everything else is fun and whimsical. But the scenes with Deb add a gravity to the movie that it's not just like, you know, you could have this awesome job you love and friends and stuff, and it still things be like that. But speaking of a, another deep scene, and we you talked about it briefly, the Gina Corey fight. At least I'm not some closet speed freak, right? What you think I don't see what you do? Do you think I don't see what you do? Shut up! I know what you do. What's this? Oh, what's this? What are these? Huh? What are these? Aspirins, vitamins, breath mints, diet pills, diet pills. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, I don't want I could study all night if I was chowing down speed too. You know that it could. There's one for your perfect little face and your perfect body. Stop and your up. perfect family and your perfect school. Stop and it. your perfect. Dude, stop it. Perfect family. 
about stopping. Go home. It's always about her. Gina fucks Rex Manning. And Corey wants to get the hell out of there because AJ professed his love and Corey doesn't know how to take it. So she wants to cash out her drawer. And Gina comes out with her shirt off and Rex comes out and unzips his pants. And then they just, they fucking just brawl. Like she yeah. throws speed pills at her at one point. Yeah. And then they just start. And best friends know this. If you know every little idiosyncrasy, every little quirk that you know that could get under their skin. Oh, yeah. They just boom, 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 yeah. boom. It's so emotionally deep. It cuts you because Corey just had this guy she's known for the longest time and and it's her best friend. Yeah. Professes love and she got blindsided because the whole day from morning one, probably for weeks out, I'm gonna profess my love yes. to Rex Manning. Yeah. I'm gonna see Gina planned helped her plan it. Yeah, how it's gonna go down. To lose her, I'm assuming her virginity yeah. to Rex Manning. Yeah. And then Gina totally stabbing her in the back by sleeping with Rex Manning. And then Corey flips out and starts breaking shit out front. And she's yeah. screaming. That leads to Deb and Corey finally becoming friends. Yeah, yeah, because she comes, exactly. She comes back at the funeral. So I have the party, specifically the montage, preparing for the party. Oh, I love it. Screw the permit. So, Mark, you know, the, maybe the most famous uh, quote from this movie, damn the man, save, save the, the empire. empire. Mark basically tells the news how many of these like punk rockers and metalheads and whatever they are, are watching the news. In like short notice. But the, the word spreads that they're having this party at midnight. They get kegs. They get all this stuff on short notice. And you don't think this party. <laughs> yeah, we got logic on that one. Yeah, they're they're raising money, but they, um, I don't know what song they're playing, but they play this song. They have a, a montage of everybody getting ready. And then- Save up. Prayer yeah. for me. And then uh, you see Coyote Shivers and his band performing, which I have something to bring up later about that performance. But you, Coyote Shivers, there's a lot about that performance because that version didn't appear on the soundtrack. No, not at all. And uh, they changed some things. But you've got the uh, I wish you could see my hands right now because you've got, <laughs> you've She's got Renee Zellweger's hands. And yeah, they raise the money. They do it. Yeah. They, uh, they're they going to save the empire. Speaking of saving the empire, where Lucas saves the empire from Warren. Yeah. Is it customary to leave the scene after committing the crime? Definitely not. Attention, Rex Manning fans. To your left, you will notice a shoplifter being chased by night manager Lucas. This young man will be spotted. He provided a vat of hot oil and stern to our first hundred customers. <laughs> Just another tasty treat from the gang at Empire Records. And he sees he has a mag key to try to get. Yeah. Because back in the day, kids, for the younger members of the pool sceners, CDs weren't just in a case. They were in this like big cardboard box yeah. with the CD in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, cardboard box or they had like a plastic. Plastic. Like a coat hanger material. Oh, it was the worst. It was obvious as day he's stealing CDs yes. with a mag key. So Lucas comes up to him. Lucas being Lucas yeah. being, how's the weather out there today? Really cool. And it's more like, like music. What, what, what's your, you some kind of freak, man? Why don't you leave he me said, alone? Well, he says, the fat man walks alone. Yeah. The hell's wrong with you, man? Crazy. It's almost David McCall. Hey, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> <laughs> David McCall in Empire Records. I just love how Lucas that leads to a, a great scene, too, which is where they make Lucas take <laughs> pictures of the CDs he stole. Warren, look what you took. Rap, metal, rap, metal, Whitney Houston. It's for my girlfriend, okay? Sure it is. <laughs> rap, metal, metal, rap, rap metal, metal, Whitney Houston. Houston. <laughs> it's for my girlfriend. I also love your buddy Mark. Shut up! 
When his voice cracks, it's so good. <laughs> and it. then the best part about the pictures that they're taking of Warren with the CDs is he takes pictures of Rex Manning. Rex Manning comes in fully committed to the legitimacy of these photos. Like I love it. these are going to be in the news and he's posing and then Warren's posing. Yeah. I love it. Uh, last one I'll mention. It's super weird. It's when they start playing uh, Rex Manning single oh. in the store and everyone's dancing in the aisles and, you know, having, uh, you know, I think AJ and Deb, like she's taking his shirt off, which on the counter, something's going to go down there. And then it's because he's mad. He got rejected by Corey. So he's going to have a thing with Deb, even though she's dating Burko. It's so weird. Uh, but anyway, everybody's dancing the aisles and having a good time. And Joe shuts it down. Even in front of the customers. Yeah, in front of the customers, starts telling them all. Don't let me stop you. Keep dancing. But you better do it now. Because by next week, this is going to be a music town. And I don't think that they allow dancing in music town. What are we supposed to do instead, Joe? What am I going to do with this guy, huh? What should I do? Turn him into the police? Send him to jail? Who do you think that he's gonna come to when he wants bail? Who? Me, right? Me. What should I do? Put in my own nine grand? And then I'm screwed. Don't worry, Joe, you're a superb manager. This place is going to be a music town on Monday or whatever. It's just <laughs> imagine being a customer. You're yeah. actually enjoying yourself. And the guy who runs the place literally belittles you mm -hmm. into stop having fun. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's have a pool check. Pool check. The pool scene podcast presents. Mount Rushmore. This week's pool check returns to the Mount Rushmore format, specifically the Mount Rushmore of 1995 movies. This is rough. This, this is, is hard. Rough. This is hard. That's what um, she said. Yes. This is rough. This is hard. Choke me. Save the empire. In my mouth. Ah, <laughs> uh, save the empire. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay, go first. My number one, Goldeneye. Okay. So I went with Goldeneye because I believe that Pierce Brosnan being James Bond, especially in Goldeneye, had so much crossover because at our age, we were playing Goldeneye on N64. Well, that's what I was going to say. If we were doing uh, video games in 1995, I'd say yes. I figured with Goldeneye being able to cross over like that, kids at my age, I mean, I like James Bond at an early age, but a lot of kids were not privy or liked James Bond, but they decided I'm going to go check this out. So that's why I think it should be on the Mount Rushmore because it was very significant to two separate generations. All right. I, I disagree just because of there's too many other 1995 movies that were important to include Goldeneye. But do you, Jim? My first Toy Story. Fuck you. The first, <laughs> the first entirely computer animated film, the first Pixar film. Very true. It's a pretty big deal based on those two facts alone, but it's also a great concept, great movie. It made $373 million against $30 million budget. And along with the three sequels, the franchise has grossed more than $3 billion. And there's a spinoffs and theme parks and attractions. And just today, as we're recording on, uh, what is it? October 27th, Wednesday, Wednesday. They released a trailer for the uh, Buzz Lightyear spinoff. Oh, go with figure. Chris, with Chris Evans doing the voice of Buzz Lightyear. No more Tim Allen, huh? Well, they're going a different direction. So this movie isn't in the canon of Toy Story. It's about like the real Buzz Lightyear. Oh, okay. so it's like um, not the toy Buzz Lightyear. It's like a Buzz Lightyear coming up through Star Command or something yes, like that. Exactly. Okay. 
So I have Toy Story. Big props to myself for remembering Star Command because I've only yeah, seen Toy Story once. Pretty impressive. That was it. My next one is another one that I think had a lot of crossover between people of our generation and previous generation. Apollo 13. Okay. Apollo 13 was so significant because I think 14, 15 year olds at my time growing up, and we've talked about this on the show, the Challenger disaster Mm -hmm. was a very big event for little kids, you know, in the mid eighties for myself. And we thought space is just too difficult. How can we triumph from that? Then here comes Apollo 13. And a lot of people weren't familiar with Apollo 13. I wasn't. Tragedy and then triumph. Yeah. In other words, they never got to the moon. They were the only ones to never get there on, on, for the Apollo missions that were. But there was a fucking perfect ending because if that would have ended with all three of those astronauts dying, space program probably would have died 1970. Yeah. So it was a very, very historical event. That's why I went with Apollo 13, my number two. I went with a movie that's in a lot of ways like Apollo 13. It's Friday. <laughs> Groundbreaking hood comedy. Damn! I- Ice Cube and DJ Pooh wrote Friday as a response to mainstream portrayal of hood, like hood movies like Boys in the Hood, Menace to Society, directed by F. Gary Gray from the Fast and Furious franchise, launched a movie franchise after making $27 million against a $3 million budget, more so landing like a major cult following. Oh, big time. And, you know, speaking of movies with great soundtrack, you had Dr. Dre, Keep Their Heads Ringing, you you know, Ice Cube, Isley Brothers, you had all these great songs on this soundtrack. It launched two other movies. I still think... It launched Chris Tucker. They should finish the franchise with a movie called Last Friday. See, I never saw Friday After Next. Friday After Next. Okay. It, for me, it goes one, three, two. Oh, there's a third one? Yeah. Fuck. That's so there's Friday, next Friday, Friday After Next. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. But wouldn't it be great? Last Friday. It'd be perfect. The Last Friday movie. It's about Last Friday. It would make, I think it would make a lot. Yeah. I think it would because it's the last. Yeah. The, the plot's pretty weak on the second one. The third one, much better. It's a Christmas movie too. Really? Yeah. My third one, Kevin, I don't think you're going to approve of this one either spun off what ended up being my favorite TV series of all time. And that's the American president. Okay. So the American president figure Mount Rushmore makes sense too. without the American president. It's Aaron Sorkin. No Aaron, more presidents. No more presidents. Fucking government's over. Country's movie. done. We're fucked. No more Michael Douglas. But if it wasn't for this movie and Aaron Sorkin, I mean, this revolutionized the walk and talk format, which led into Aaron Sorkin, bringing a lot of these people back to do the West wing. Martin Sheen, you see the same faces from this movie on the majority in the West Wing. And the West Wing is so beloved. It's my favorite TV series of all time. I had to pick, and I'm a Sorkin mark. I even love Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Nobody watched it. (laughs) I love the newsroom. So I have to put the American president as my third. I think if you got a bunch of people in the room and we're like, we're building a a Mount Rushmore dedicated in 1995, you would be the only person to mention that movie. Probably. Now, but that makes me unique. But I think most people's first place that they would go is if you said, okay, we got to make a, a mountain from 1995 movies. Very plausible that could, this could happen. They would say, okay, what one best picture? And that is, you can have my fucking ham sandwich, but you'll never take my fucking freedom. America. Not America at all. It was Scotland. Yeah. And it was Braveheart. Mel Gibson, regardless what you think about it, again, how can you leave off the best picture? Nominated for 10 Academy Awards. It wasn't the first, but really got the ball rolling on historically inaccurate epics. Big time. Because they got a lot of stuff wrong. And they're making another Braveheart movie. What the fuck are they going to... See, I've never seen Braveheart. Really? So I've never had... Oh, my God. Hey, you were shocked when I saw I never saw Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I'll crush you. 
I crush you like a woolum. Then again, uh, how fucking eccentric. I'm assuming Mel Gibson isn't a part of the sequel. It's about Robert the Bruce. Okay. It's an awesome movie. I loved Braveheart growing up. It's super fucking sad. You know, you got the whole Prima Nocta stuff and they kill his wife and then, you know, sad ending. I liked it a lot. It's just, it. if you know history at all, it, it just, they changed. Yeah. It took some liberties. Of course. I mean, in Apollo 13, it wasn't Houston. We have a problem. They, yeah. they even fucked up the line. Yeah. It's a different line. My final one, Tommy Boy. I'm going with okay. Tommy Boy. Now, it was either this or Billy Madison. I went with Tommy Boy. Fair. Tommy Boy, it's quotable. It's Chris Farley near his. I mean, this was the, the apex of Chris Farley. Yeah. David Spade. Chris Farley made David Spade palatable. Yes. In this movie is a fucking generational genius movie it's fantastic and you know i'm i like tommy boy a lot i used to have a callahan auto parts shirt but yeah. uh i'm probably in the minority i like black sheep better than tommy boy okay i like black sheep too yeah i don't think that was 95 but shot no it was 96 yeah. shout out to gary Busey as sergeant drake yeah. savage <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> my final one seven Yes. $33 million budget grossed $337 million. What's in the box? Ton of money. Pretty gnarly R-rated movie. So $337 million for a movie that that's, that's that violent. Pretty crazy. I always thought it would be interesting if we covered that. Let's do it. It's a fucking dark movie, yeah. but it's amazing. Directed by David Fincher. Amazing cast. Couple all-time movie quotes. You're not a messiah. You're a fucking t-shirt at best. Kevin Spacey, a fucked up person that we know now. He's beyond yes. a piece of shit. A fuck amazing is John Stay Doe. away. John Doe's got the upper hand. What's the hardest movie that you left off? What was you, what were you going back and forth on? To me, it was Billy Madison. Okay. Like I was really on the fence about Billy Madison. Congo. Ah, I saw it once as a kid and I'm just like, Dude, but Con you love Congo. I love Congo. It's so stupid. So great. Clueless. Yeah. Judge Dredd. This. Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Nick Cage and Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue talking real dirty. And it's um, a 14-year-old me. Holy. Mall rats. Tales from the Hood. National Lampoon Senior Trip. A personal favorite. <laughs> you love that movie. And Angus. Great movie. Oh, Angus Bethune. All right. I don't think there were any pools in Empire Records. No, but the way that building was constructed, I'm fucking shocked there wasn't. Yes. All right. But regardless, let's get back in that in invisible imaginary pool. Who has a sugar high? Everybody back in the pool. So I have two critical questions. So I love this movie as it is like, so as it's presented, it's perfect. Not the original. I never saw the original cut, but there were two deleted scenes that made Empire Records a much different movie. The first Rex walks out. His manager doesn't leave with him. No. So Rex is basically outside trying to catch a ride and he's smoking a cigarette and Burko comes and smokes a cigarette with him. Since Burko's in a band, Rex starts giving him some genuine advice on the music industry. Musician, huh? Yeah, it's my baby. Gotta love it. I used to. <laughs> they didn't let me play on my last three albums. Wow. Well, that's not gonna happen to me. Yeah. You keep that thought. And two, after Rex leaves Rex Manning Day at Empire Records, he comes back later in the movie and he joins Burko oh. and Gina. Kissing, baby. Just say no more. 
our critical question or my critical question then wow. is do you like the version with Rex remaining the cocky asshole? You're just a washed up imposter, man. Why don't y'all just fade away? Or what if you preferred the Rex Manning redemption arc? You're just a washed up imposter, man. Imposter. You know something? You could all be right. Dude, this is nuts. I mean, being 14 years old me, he's a perfect heel. Oh, yeah. He's such a fucking prick. Like, he won't accept the fact that time's moved on. But if he has a redemption, I would love to see him up there with Gina flailing her yeah. fucking hands around. Just two two parts. So him giving Burko genuine advice. Like, you want to make it in music? This is what you got to do. Like, listen, kid, I've lived it. Yeah. That and then... Coming up on the roof, performing with Burka. Could you imagine Rex Manning doing yeah. Sugar High? I guess big cheers and stuff for a him. rock version of Say No More. Yeah. So oh, I will say though, if you give him a redemption arc, then who's the villain in this movie? Mitchell Beck. I know, but there's not really enough Mitchell. Like he represents the man. Did they install him more in these other scenes or no? I, who Mitchell? Or? Yeah, I don't think so. Fuck. I yeah, think I in guess. the other version, Mitchell still has the same amount of Mitchell. Yeah, I guess it's you just, don't have a heel. But just, do you need a heel though? No, not really. I mean, you just would have to play up then that the man is the, you know, yeah. is the villain. So my other critical question and bonus trivia question I think you know this, but Jim, where does this movie take place? Wilmington, Delaware. How weird, right? Yeah. Takes place in For the longest time, Delaware. I thought this was like California. Yeah, it makes sense that it's California. Hi, we're in, in Delaware. Delaware. All right, let's move on to logic. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. All right, I'll go first. It seems like it was too easy to raise the money to save Empire Records. Way easy. Like, Joe has been saving money, which Lucas blows, but Joe's been saving money to save empire records if they had played they play in this party on an hour notice because that was the 11 o'clock news oh they're charging five dollars a cup for beer and it's entirely too easy for them to raise the money if they were to play in this in advance with more than 10 or more than an hour of notice i think they could have raised like fifty thousand dollars okay let's think of real life here he goes on the 11 o'clock news yes people start showing up around midnight they're serving alcohol without a permit the cops are going to know about the cops would shut this down before it could even become a reality there is no way in hell that this party happens. Noise ordinance violation, underage, DUIs, no permits. Oh, yeah. The amount they would pay in fines alone. Fuck. Right. Welcome Music Town Monday morning. Yes. Yes, for sure. So my big one, let's speak about the thing I always found fascinating, even being younger when I watched this. It's a dead day in the store. It's a very dead day. It doesn't seem really that busy at all. The fucking, you need that many people working there? Like right. how many people are on the fucking clock? Right. And most of the time they're just hanging out in the back yeah. on the couch. You have Lucas, AJ, Deb, Burko, Eddie, Deb. Does Burko even work there? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, I don't know. Cause I always thought he just hangs out. Eddie I thought Eddie worked at a pizza shop. He's just a drug dealer. So he doesn't even work there. I thought either Eddie was just at the pizza guy or he was two jobs. Yeah. I don't, maybe, I don't know, but you have, yeah. Um, Corey, Mark, Corey, AJ, <laughs> like there's no wonder they don't have money. Well, let me, let me talk about my next logic. Okay. Go for you it. Know, I'm jumping over one, but during Deb's fake funeral, Mark's in the store working by himself. He calls over the PA and he says, help me, help me, help me, help me, help, help. And AJ, I think leaves the funeral to go help. But then 10 seconds later, you watch Mark comes right back in, comes into the funeral. So Mark obviously had FOMO about the funeral. <laughs> 
and he switched places with AJ, but doesn't that put AJ in the same predicament he that Mark just, was he, in? He fucked AJ over. Yeah, so Mark was like, help, but then AJ comes to help, and he's like, you're on your own. I'm going to the funeral. <laughs> Fuck you. But yeah, who is working? They're all at the fake funeral. Who knows? So one person is working, which lends some precedence to Andre, Tobey Maguire's yeah. character, and Lily, the knee pads girl. They both could have been out there working. We just didn't know. They wiped them out. Right. The one thing I always found fascinating too, this building for a record store yeah. is ridiculously way too big. Like it has yes. the mezzanine oh, yeah. with the listening booths, the spiral staircase. Yeah. It looks like the old Cedars building for it those does. in Youngstown. It does. And Mark being fucking weird, like you said, he's trying to kiss that girl. Yeah. He's dusting her leg as yeah. she's dancing. Yeah, they have uh, the the boots where you can go and listen to a record while, you know, you preview an album or whatever. Yeah, if you see the original store that this movie was based off of, the Tower Records, it looks like a donut shop, like a standalone diner I think it was in a mall, but I think it was like at a mall. Okay. Because I tried to find a picture and it looks like a little standalone place, but it was at the uh, Chris Town Mall. Okay. And then the last one I had to mention, would Warren really get off so easily? Like the cops specifically say, well, he's a juvenile and he used blanks. But now I think he'd be tried as an adult facing major time. Then again, he's white. But here's the thing. He shoplifts. Yes. Uh, he brings in a gun. Yeah. Who gives a shit if it's blank? It's still a threatening It's still a gun. real gun, yeah. And he's being a menace. But yeah. he ends up just becoming friends. Hey, Joe, Lucas steals nine grand from you. You don't do dick to him. So you got to give me a job now? So that's it, Warren? Want to work in a record store? No. I think you're lying, Warren. He's not going to give me a job, man. How do you know? Why should he? Why should anyone give me a job? Gave me a job. And the one thing that will always annoy me to this day, we never find out his real name. Yeah. It's well, just it's Warren and Beatty. They, they put Warren on the, uh, well, it's funny because during he's drinking yeah. during the, uh, which, add another person to the labor. Yeah, so he's under 18, but, uh, somebody is trying to, I think Mitchell's trying to get the drawer open and, and Warren says, I work here. I work here. It's and like, he holds up his bag. Yeah, you may work here, but you don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know how to do anything. <laughs> this movie is. The best. I mean, how? what can you say about this movie? It has one of the best neon signs I've mm -hmm. ever seen on top of AJ, a record AJ, get store. on the roof, fix the sign. He's the only one. The 400 employees you have working, he's yeah. the only one who knows how to fix then neon. Then you find out at the end, I quit. I'm going to art school. Yeah, what the fuck are they going to do about that sign now? Yeah. Joe's going to have to find somebody else. Yeah, they went from having a whole staff. Now he's got nobody. He's got nobody. They've all fucked off. Yeah. What a great movie, dude. Do you have any other logic? No. This movie is too great. So what's the legacy of this movie? I will say, does this movie die with our generation? Kids don't know what the fuck a record store is. Let alone how great records used to be. The funny thing is that vinyl is becoming the predominant physical media yeah. for music now even cassettes are making a resurgence yeah. oh, again that's been happening a uh, but it's nostalgia yeah. but yeah it, this movie dies with our generation yeah because a new album comes out what do you do you listen to it on spotify at midnight even if you wanted to make a modern empire records but it's where would it be based out of spotify headquarters or i mean physical media other than like nostalgia geeks like us i mean is dead it's fucked up and if empire records existed they'd have no they'd have to close because they had an employee shortage in a exactly in a modern day society empire records would be pandora and music town would be spotify <laughs> i'm pretty sure all these people that uh work at empire records have to live together because they all make eight dollars an hour so <laughs> i hope you guys are having fun back then they probably made four dollars an hour and they all had to pool their money together yeah so that they could uh 
survive because yeah they weren't making any money no we need a music town apron yeah and wear it like gina and wear we like do a gina. podcast that, just episode, like that it. seems great because uh you know gina comes out and <laughs> goes, i thought they said no revealing clothing warren's cat calling yeah, her it's so yes. weird and um Roderick cochran's trying to cover his face and like keep him from seeing gina welcome to music town my service show when joe with his full drum kit in his office as acdc like an Fucking playing ACDC if so you want good. blood. It's yeah. so good. Stick around for some plugs. So does conditioning every day leave your hair heavy and weighed down? Not anymore. Pantene's got something brand new. New Pro-V light spray conditioner. So light, you spray it on and leave it on. So healthy, gotta be Pro-V. Pantene's pro-vitamin formula penetrates, improves. Your hair feels so light, so fabulous. New Pantene Pro-V Light Spray Conditioner. Spray it on, leave it on. For hair so healthy it shines. Finally. WUAB, Channel 43, Lorraine, Cleveland. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. It's time for the final lap. Yeah! The final lap! All right, so I, I don't have a lot. I mean, we're this is going to be released on November 1st. Yeah. So we're post-Halloween. I hope everyone had a nice Halloween. I hope everyone enjoyed our Halloween special of Hubie Halloween. It was really enjoyable. I enjoyed it. Episode. I really liked that episode. Good feedback. Um, but I don't have a lot. So, uh, Jim, what do you got? Saturday was eventful for me. I had food poisoning. I will not disclose the name of the restaurant, which I think do I it. got food poisoning. But let me tell you, man, I have not had stomach pains like that in a while to where I had to try to force myself to throw up. And for like the past two days, my stomach and like my core, I will say it worked out my core phenomenally, but I've felt like shit the past couple days. Oh, food poisoning. I got food poisoning from a wing restaurant in Struthers (laughs) that has uh, wing nights. Every time we pass it, you're like, that fucking Oh, dude, it... It was awful. It was like severe food poisoning. You know what I mean? Like oh, all yeah. food poisoning severe, but I think like, God, it was, just, it was terrible. I haven't eaten there since because it was just, yeah, no, thank you. I just hated the, no matter what I did, no matter how I laid down myself to go to bed at like nine o'clock yeah. that night, yeah. just to try and sleep through it. Horrible. But I'm like, no, I got to get up and throw up. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. worse. But speaking of something else that made me throw up, spoiler alert, Halloween Kills is a shit movie. <laughs> It's fucking horrible. I don't know why they thought we had to make a gory, over-the-top Halloween movie. It, to me, comes across like a slap in the face to John Carpenter's original Halloween. And we're supposed to look at this as Halloween 3. Because remember, with the remake, they're like, everything after the very first one, ignore. The Rob Zombies, ignore. This is the second one. Halloween kills. Everybody, don't pay money to go to the movies. I know it's Halloween time. Don't watch it on Peacock. That's how I watch it. Thank God I didn't go to the movies to watch it. But fuck, Did you dude. see the one from two years ago? Yeah, I did okay. see that. You, I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed it. This one was Jamie Lee Curtis 
was barely in this fucking movie yeah. the entire time. Even though in all the trailers they make it seem like, hey, Jamie Lee's gonna be out on the streets. Lori's gonna out fuck on the it. streets. Yeah, she's gonna be going after Michael. And this one, I'm gonna fucking spoil it. I don't give a shit. Tommy Doyle, the kid that is babysat in the first movie, is Anthony Michael Hall, which I'm like, fucking cool. Anthony Michael yeah. Hall, friend of the show. All of a sudden, they're like, well, tonight's the night we end them. We're gonna kill Michael Myers. Yeah, angry mob. Let's cut to the fucking chase. At the end of the movie, there's 50 people surrounding Michael Myers with bats, guns, knives. They're taking shots at Michael Myers. Guess what fucking happens? Michael Myers kills them fucking all. Yeah. And there's just blood spraying fucking things everywhere. And there's there's controversy because he kills firefighters in the movie. Yeah. People are pissed about that. Two married guys ended up buying his house and remodeling it. He kills both of them. Yeah. So a lot of people are angry about that. But don't just be angry about that. Be angry that this fucking movie ended I, up coming out. You know, it, Fuck this movie. It was pretty polarizing on social media when it came out. And because people are upset that people didn't like it. But you're allowed to have an opinion. Yeah. And I, I think people just defend it to be contrarian. I mean, if you were a fan of the original Halloween from 1978, what made that movie amazing? Michael Myers is a stalker. Yeah. He yeah. will stalk you. There was no blood in that no. movie. It, you just knew didn't what need was. Didn't need to be. Didn't need to be. It was yeah. perfect. This one, there's just like, oh, it's Michael Myers. And it, you see him without his mask on from behind. And he has a hair like my dad. He has like a monk's hat, which makes sense. Michael yeah. Myers is... Should be in his 60s or yeah. 70s. But for fuck's sake, man, yeah. you're not going to kill 50 people on your own when they have knives, guns, and shit. No, these, any, like, I mean, it's probably in quotations because any theatrically released horror movie now, it's, real, it's really a tough sell. It's horrible. I love horror movies. I watch tons of them. But, like, I mean, I watched Malignant a couple weeks ago. It's probably the worst movie I've ever watched. Ever. Yeah. Like, hands down, this might, it might be the dumbest worst movie i've ever seen it was hilarious because it was so bad but it wasn't bad good i don't want to yeah. watch it again it was terrible and you know i even said i will never watch another movie from uh from that director again and i did <laughs> and here we are like we started going like me and the missus have gone through all the friday the 13th movies we got up to seven because when i had food poison we watched five six and seven in one day first off five isn't as bad as i thought it was when i was younger yeah. which it's Spoiler, it's not really Jason. It's the paramedic yeah, driver right. who's acting like Jason. Those movies just don't hold up like I used to, and they, they don't hold that special place. When I was younger, I was like, fucking Jason, man. Yeah, yeah let's Shh, fucking do it. <sighs> Which, for the longest time, they thought it was subliminally, Jeff, 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 pop, 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 pop. What? Lo that was one of the fables for the longest time. They said that Jiffy Pop made that, so people would subliminally get up during the movie oh and God. go buy popcorn. Which I'm like, if that was true... Fucking genius. <laughs> yes. Fucking genius. Also, Kevin, another friend of the show, Mark Wahlberg, King of the Wahlberger. They released the Uncharted trailer this week. The movie based on the video game, Uncharted. Yep. A movie that was basically written for Nathan Fillion, but they decided to go younger with Tom Holland. Well, they might have been able to put Fillion in it when, you know, <laughs> 15 years ago I mean, they Nathan talked Fillion's, about making this movie. Nathan Fillion is now 50 years old. Yeah. But, yeah, Marky Mark... It's coming into that movie. We're excited. We got a Mark Wahlberg sighting. You know what would be better than happening, which we covered. Go check that out. He fights a ficus. It's going to be fucking great. Check it out. If any of you are bored out there during Halloween, check out the Hubie Halloween, our Halloween special. Then check out the one from last year where we did Gremlins 2, the new batch. Clamp, the man, the myth, the legend. All right. I guess until next week. And next week, I think we're going Swim Meet series, right? We're going Swim Meet series. We're doing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, when we created the Swim Meet series, 
we said, this is where we're going to put documentaries. We're going to do documentaries and TV shows here. This came out in 2005, which made us and the world collectively hate the man known as Billy Mitchell as a real piece of shit. We are going to be covering (laughs) the King of Kong and the angel, the prophet himself, Steve Wiebe. Twin galaxies. Twin, yeah. Watching that documentary is so infuriating because we can't accept tape scores. Billy comes in with the tape. Oh, Billy, this is perfect. We'll accept it. It's great. Walter yeah, Day. Right. There's been some other controversies, you know, revolving around video games like the, uh, is that Drag Race or whatever? Oh, yeah, Dragster. Dragster, yeah. Todd Howard. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a perfect time then to end our episode and say, hey, guys, next week, we got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. <laughs> Brian Coo. <laughs> I don't want to take advice from